Hello and welcome to another episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who wishes people would just stop sucking on nipples in the back of his cab, for God's sake. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and it's why I had to stop being a cab driver. Yeah, I mean, that and like... the fact that I have never legally been licensed to drive a car, but... Uh, I don't think that would get in the way of Uber, frankly, honestly. I mean... No, probably not. But yeah, no, I just, that scene like really, I was like, wait, what's happening here right now? Like, <laughs> what, who does that? Like, I love, I love the ending of that scene because it suggests that the, uh, the cab driver himself finds it so awkward that he has flagged down an somebody old woman else, on the street yeah, to like, try and get them this out? for me. Um, yeah. I'm going to pull over here and I'll let this old lady sort this out. Yeah. The, the funny thing about that is, is. Despite this, the content of this movie being a very 1990s topic, because you know what yeah. is in the news, that is the most 1990s scene in the entire film. <laughs> yes, because like yes, for is. some reason, dra- all dramas in the 1990s were like, yeah, people do weird. F- like I don't, I don't even know, man. Like it's just like that. Just feels super 1990s. It's like, well, we're really passionate. So I just started sucking on a nipple in the middle of a cab ride. Like I'm like, what are you talking about? What is this? Why did you do this in this movie? That like it's like it's so out. It's really weird. I like, and not even like because that it like whatever people are into, but it like it doesn't feel fit really well with the tenor of the movie either. It's I don't know. It's a very weird scene. Especially since they're both sober and it's the middle of the day. Right, right, seems, right, right. Well, it's like, it's this thing that 90s drama movies like always seem to want to do, which is like, I'm going to express the fact of how intense their, like, their desire for each other is and their emotions yeah. are by just having some piece of inappropriate sexuality. Before we get started, I want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you get access to our uh, non-Patreon bonus episodes. Or, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, just what? Just a dollar a month over there, you get <laughs> access to our non-Criterion Patreon bonus, bonus episodes. episodes yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you get to vote on what we're going to watch. I put together a list every month. Sometimes I... Let uh, supporters suggest those lists, um, or just suggest one well, movie for the list. Let's that... let's say that we all. I, I like how you're like. I sometimes deign to like let them do. It. It's like oh yeah, it's I always, always available. Willing. Like if we, someone suggests one, do it all I the will time. More than please. likely, take it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's take not... that <laughs> take that intellectual burden off of us, and specifically please. Adam. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a dollar a month, you get access to all of the previous bonus episodes. That back catalog has about 40 episodes in it, too. Like I said, they're non-criterion films. We watch a pretty eclectic mix of stuff over there. Uh, even more eclectic, arguably, than the actual Criterion collection, uh, which even in the last three weeks has been pretty eclectic. So, um, But uh, 
uh, what movies have we watched over there? We watched. Oh things my like, god, uh, so many. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I say that, in, like, you I don't know why I said much. it that way, but like, <laughs> no, it's just like you know, it's at this point, like, at some point when we got to the number we got to, we crossed the boundary where I can kind of keep them in my head anymore. Right. And right. So now it's like, I, it, 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 that question got there harder are, somehow. There are plenty over there that are absolutely forgettable. I mean, as Dog's well. Day Afternoon is fucking maybe one of my favorite movies of all time right that i had never seen in that in that the the bone what i like about the bonus episodes is when the lists are real good they give me a chance to watch a movie that like i probably would never have had an opportunity to watch uh which is really fun for me because like you know the criterion collection unfortunately at this point my movie watching has become feels more like some like calvin-esque march of fate like yeah. I don't like I know what move like okay well they're not Calvinized because I don't I do actually know what my fate holds and it's these movies on this list, um so I guess in that sense it's more of a Greek mythology like hands of fate <laughs> sort of thing, but like I know what I'm gonna watch right like I know what I'm gonna watch I can tell you what I'm gonna watch and essentially because I don't have any other free time that much. This is essentially the only movies I'm going yeah. to watch for the next. You know decade. every movie you're going to watch for the next twelve years at least. And so. like, and that's a, that can be a little bit like at times it's very exciting because sometimes the movies are like I can't wait to watch that. It's a little sad because I'm like I'm going to wait to watch that, and it's like I would like to watch that now, but I'm going to wait five years and watch that in five years. Um, usually I don't. If it's going to be five years, I'm going to yeah. just watch it on my own. But like, um, but like uh, you know that that can be a little disheartening. And the Patreon episodes provide an opportunity that, like, oh, this is a surprise. Whatever comes out of this, I don't know two weeks beforehand. Like, it's totally a surprise movie, and I find that really enjoyable. Well, 80% of the time. 20% of the time, it's like, (laughs) why the fuck is this movie on this list? What is Adam doing to me? Right, right. And we watched some great movies because of that. Will Ferrell's Kicking and Screaming. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Masterpiece of film craft. Ready Player One was, uh, I, was a good, I, uh, yeah, Ready like, Player One was a surprisingly I, I, good movie. It's, I it's, didn't. We 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 yeah we it has problems, but there's also some very yeah. enjoyable elements to that movie. Right, it is certainly not the worst movie we watched. I, I, there. I already named that one. Yes, you already. Um, yes, <laughs> I mean, sure. His aspiration is to is to take over the thing of the. I, no, it's not starting. We're going to talk about Ready Player One. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about kicking and screaming. Let's do that instead. <laughs> Let's not talk about I, either. Let's uh, yeah, let's not do that. that. We've watched them, and if you want to hear us talk about them, one dollar a month at patreoncom criterion. For a little extra five dollars a month, we'd like to just thank those people on air. Obviously, they get access to the lower tier as well, the bonus episodes. But we just like you know, for for people who who feel like we deserve a little extra money, but not too much extra money, we put the five dollar <laughs> tier in there. And you only uh, deserve you know, a little bit. We appreciate the people at that level, though there are none right now, which is fine. And it's fine because everyone who had been at that level up to $10. And what we do at $10, I think, is pretty great. $10 a month. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently, usually one from the main podcast, but occasionally a bonus episode or maybe our holiday episode is usually it, it the does, one. It does, yeah. It will gets, probably be the holiday episode for this December. Year. But, uh, he makes a piece of art based on it. I get that printed up on a postcard, and I write a little personalized thank you note off to everybody. And uh, I was really <laughs> – the November postcard was based on Louis Malle's The Lovers, which is a phenomenal movie that we talked about mm-hmm. uh, in late November, and I really loved. Um, but uh, 
Pat, when he told me he was going to do the art for the lovers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, I tried to convince him to do a particular frame from the lovers that got the movie banned in Ohio. Right, right. It, uh, it almost happened. It almost happened. Yeah. But it's like it would get but, too abstract, frankly. Yeah. Because he didn't, uh, on at least one of the postcards, I took it upon myself to draw Jean Moreau's <laughs> nipple uh, in the it's message. Just a, and it's I hope, a circle. <laughs> yeah. I hope whoever got that greatly appreciated it. Yeah, they're, or as they're, appreciated oh, it as much as I did. I hope it didn't get like pulled out of the for for being obscenity. Right. If you read the note, it's clear what it's meant to be. If you don't read the note, it's just a weird circle with it looks right. like a cyclops smiling because I like drew the curvature of the breast. The, you know the funny the funny thing is is that one there was a lot of iterations in my head about what that was going to be. Yeah. And at one point, I was considering just making the entire scene out of concentric circles to be just very very confusing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. visually confusing and I went against it but uh, also there well, was a version of that was going to be about the cyclist where it was just going to be all the things in the like <laughs> the whole scene but everything's replaced with bicycles and I was like oh, this is a lot of work I love that too That's I, I, I started down that path and I was like this is a lot of work ideas that are that are beyond your actual capability yeah are, it was certainly are still good ideas well so. th- and that one was possible it's more of like at some point it's like well i have two days to make this so right. uh yeah. what can i do in two Just days a little too late uh but yeah he has a lot of fun drawing them obviously from, from what you've heard I do and enjoy uh, the notes are great i I think I, I enjoy writing the notes. So that is $10 and above, but we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to Patrick Yako, to Jonathan Hape, to Christopher Otto, to uh, Michael McGrath, and Adam Speakerman, and Jason Westhaver, who owe are $10 yes, and above thank you supporters. Very much. Again, that is patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to get in on that. <clears throat> This week, we are talking about our first Macedonian film. Um, possibly How, our first movie from that area, really. Um, um, well, I mean, it really sort of depends on how you define that area, right? Because, I like, suppose, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. you could easily argue that, like, like movies that are sort of in the Turkish area or something like that would also fit into that uh, sort of a- that area, quote-unquote. It's, it's hard to say. Right. right? Areas are so vague and uh, poorly defined. Does Yugoslavia count as in that area? Right, well, exactly, maybe, right. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right. It's really um, hard to say. The Baltic region is... <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, when you say areas, right? even, like, right? culturally, because, you know, one thing that this movie really reminded me of in feel and style was something like uh, Taste of Cherry. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I thought the ago, same is, thing when I was which watching. Which is more yeah. Middle Eastern. Um, but, comes out of uh, Iran, I think. Yeah, I'm, I think it was. Yeah, not. And, but I felt the exact same thing when I was watching. I was like, oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, Taste of Cherry in this differs sort of in terms of this movie. I, I feel like Taste of Cherry is this movie is a little bit. How do I describe it? Like. I want to say more intense. Taste of Cherry is much more depressing, I think, than this right, movie. Right, right. Like, well, which is not which that is this a movie isn't say. not depressing, yeah. but still. But like, I think yeah. this this movie, Taste of Cherry, has a different, more like feeling of like like sorrow. Like this movie is about yeah. a very sad thing, 
but is and is sorrowful, but it's not like Taste of Cherry is like downtrodden, like <laughs> deeply, right? Whereas this is not in the same way. Yeah, Taste of Cherry is its only emotion is sorrow. Really, right, right, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> or at least it's defining emotion, and maybe the defining emotion of uh, Before the Rain is also sorrow in a in a perhaps even broader sense than well, Taste of Cherry. I, I, yeah, I guess that's true. It depends yeah. on if like if you consider something like inevitability a, a an emotion or right. not. Right. Now, this is directed by Milcho Manchevsky, or Manchevsky, rather. Mil- Milcho Manchevsky. Uh, it, prior to this, he had been making music videos in the U.S. for years. Um, oh, that was before And continued this. to do so. Okay. Continued oh, to do so. I think there is one on the Criterion DVD, which is his video for Arrested Developments, Tennessee. Um, which was really their defining single too, mm. the one that that brought them to uh, to the forefront. Um, and uh, I don't know what year that song came out. It was around the same time as this. Okay, but he had been making music videos in the U.S. for uh, for the better part, if not longer than a decade. He would make uh, at least one more feature. Um, I think six years after this was his next one. Uh, it is a movie set in Macedonia and London uh, in much the same way as our director. Um, the sort of through character of this tale is a fo- war photographer named Alex who also left Macedonia to do his do his photography work elsewhere. is based in London through the the crux of the movie, uh, but had filmed Bosnia and other areas of conflict. Right. This is a movie that came out when, you know, the Bosnian conflict had already started. Um, other, other Balkan things uh, had been already going right. on, but at the time, Macedonia itself was relatively calmer. It was not in some sort of open revolt. Uh, in the film, we do see UN vehicles existing in Macedonia, and that is probably true to life at the time. But it wasn't the peacekeepers weren't necessarily there uh, as peacekeepers, so to speak. <laughs> um, right? They weren't there to make sure there was no fighting. Um, or maybe they were to ma- there to make sure there there would not develop any fighting. Not that that's actually what the peacekeepers do anyway, but you know, <laughs> right? That's a different conversation, right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> the we're, actual, we the actual function of the UN peacekeepers is a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someday we'll probably uh, <laughs> watch a movie that gives us a chance to talk about that, but this is not it. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. No, it's it is. Um, What's interesting about it is you mentioned it's you know it's it, it says on the box and everything well it's it's based in Macedonia and London right, but it's not yeah. really based in London very much at all right like I mean well it, it, one of a, the three sections of the film takes place in London I but understand yes. that but like I I mean from the absolute the sort of feel of the movie the the London scene feels like more of a interlude that like ties the movie together than like a location of the film this movie is about yeah. macedonia it is right 
like if you know, like I'm not saying that as like it's not a critique or anything. It's just that like I see that in like all the descriptions of the movies. And yes, scenes do take place in London, but the <laughs> the heart of the story takes place in Macedonia. So what I mean is like it. I I don't know. It's just it's a weird point about this movie that like the scenes in London provide context and they provide information that helps tie the audience into the movie. But like the movie is about Macedonia and it, and it, and it, the movie basically takes place in Macedonia. Like, right. We're in London. We're literally only ever inside of like an office building and a graveyard. Like, well, in a restaurant. But what I mean is like, we're like in these, like, in, in the Macedonian scenes, we're outside and we're looking at like the world. Right. In in the London ones, we're basically always inside of buildings or like enclosed spaces, which I think is on purpose. I think it's to make sure that the movie doesn't feel like it's really in London. Like filmed in London, yes, but like you know what I mean. Like those are those are sort of almost right. snippets of life rather than like life. Because yeah. as soon as you get to Macedonia, you've got these wide open shots of huge rolling acres of land. You, like, we don't even see shots of London the city, really, right. in this movie. And I think that's on purpose, is all I'm saying. Yeah. I think that I think that's a decision to keep people from getting bogged down in the sort of that that part too much. Like like uh, Roger Ebert's review of this movie, I read a little bit of it, talked about how well, very much like this movie, but like talked about how important, especially those scenes in London are in bringing things like the Bosnian conflict to bear for people who for for whom things like the Bosnian conflict seem irrelevant in their daily lives. Uh-huh. Now, I'm I'm here and there on that because like the idea is that like violence taking place in your neighborhood is a is is like making it real for you. Is iffy, right. right? Because it's like, oh, the the problems in in the Middle East became a serious thing that Americans knew and cared about because of you know, blah, blah. It, it it feels very dirty and gross, right? Right. Like that's a well, bad reason to care. Because generally, it that reasoning down. is is meant for the res- reverse of that. The people who exoticize the Bosnian conflict as something that couldn't happen here, right? Uh, and one thing that this movie is explicitly saying is that the powers of Western Europe who feel that way need to look in a mirror because the troubles are still happening and there's bombs going off in coffee shops in <laughs> Paris and in right, Brussels. Yeah. So I my my yeah. thought was just that like I don't think Robert <laughs> Roger Ebert was being a bad person or anything like that in there, but like it's easy to make that argument. Well, this makes it real for people in this place because it shows that the violence is right here is, is always like, well, like, so you care because the violence came here. You didn't care. Like, and that's the only reason you care. If the violence didn't come here, you would never care. It's always now it's more of depressing than it is anything else. Right. Um, It is depressing, but I really feel like to, to that end, Menchevsky's actual point is this is a European issue. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. it is it is a thing that is happening in its own way in every European country. Yeah, even absolutely. Even the ones totally. who are pretending it's not. Absolutely. Yeah, that is definitely true. <laughs> right. Uh that and 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 yeah, that it is a very valid point of the film that like yeah, because of the way 
you know that and it's true for basically every country right that like you're gonna have this sort of like these different groups that like you're either gonna find a way to get along or 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 not right, right? like right. um yeah no it's just i just thought that that was kind of an interesting thing because like that that restaurant scene is the scene that like is supposed to bring it home right for yeah um for uh and and that's like i don't know like if i were to like parallel it with modern movies it's like well we made it real for the western audience because then then the the terrorists blew up this cafe yeah. and it's like i that that makes me feel a little bit that that one element of the movie makes me feel a little skin crawly right and I get that, and I get why you feel skin crawly about it, but there is the aspect of it that is not like it's meant to be a Macedonian who comes back and shoots up the, the right. London restaurant, right? Um, and she's also, throughout the London section of the film, she keeps hearing that radio broadcast that is uh, running through all the violence of the day that right. includes bombings in coffee shops, right? Right. Um so it's it is not in the same way that in American audiences violence would come home by seeing a terrorist attack on US it's in the same way that an American movie would show violence come home by having our main character get robbed at a gas station or something right, right yeah that's it's, that's true that's yeah. true i mean it's just it's very easy in that in the context of this film for it to read wrong Right. Uh, again, right. this is not a major complaint because I think in general the movie is constructed extremely well. Right, right. Like right, this right. is a very, very well built movie that <laughs> does what it is intending to do extremely well. Yeah. Uh, it's just that that one scene that is I if I had to say that that's like the second super nineties scene in this movie. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like it kind of just the way the violence is portrayed. The rest of the movie, the violence is portrayed in a way that feels very I don't want to say I don't like to use the word authentic, but it feels it doesn't feel dramatic in the in the way that like it doesn't feel like it's a film drama. It feels like right. it is trying to tell a story and the violence is in, is is necessary to the story. Whereas that feels like a diehard scene. Yeah. And the the little girl in the background of that does not help it not feel like a diehard right, right, scene. Right. I thought she was the most '90s element. Of the yeah, movie, well, it's honestly. all kind of works together, right? Like yeah. you've got this guy who's shooting up this restaurant, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, and just and and they're cutting it, so he's firing wildly. And I'm like, okay, right. well, where's John McClane? You yeah. tell me. Yeah, like. And, and, but there is no John McClane. It just it right, but that's ends, that's right? not. I mean, yes, There's that no is the hero showing up right, to put an absolutely. end to it, right? So, uh, and then and the people who try even a little bit to be heroic, that's yeah, that's what gets you killed, right? Um, right. No, it's just I. It, it, that just felt very '90s film esque, right? Like, and and some of it's just the way '90s films are constructed, right? Like, we're not gonna like show him like, because like. He's not shooting at certain people. He's just sort of firing wild. He is supposedly shooting at that waiter, right? But like, he's just right. firing wildly and screaming. Well, he's also very drunk. So yeah, I and he's got that. he's got you know, it's just it, it's got that feel. I don't know how to describe it. It's just yeah. like you're like, oh, I've seen this scene before, um, and and that's the pro and that's why I'm complaining about this and harping on it is because 
that's one of the only like one of a couple scenes where you're like, I've seen this scene before. Right. Like I've watched right. movies with this scene in it. Whereas the rest of the movie, I'm like, this is new. This is all yeah. very interesting and very new. And like I don't watch I don't not seen a lot of movies that are dealing with this specific right. topic in this specific way. And it's it's interesting that you say it like that because I think you're right, but it's also a movie that wears its influences completely up front, right? Right. Yeah. Uh <laughs> to the point where like there's a scene where Alex is riding a bike and whistling the Burt Bacharach song from Butch, and Ken- right, Butch right. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, right? That's an overt reference and it's it's interesting to think about that overt reference as as when a movie makes an overt reference like that, it is saying something about the themes of the movie it's referencing right. as they exist in contrast or comparison to the themes of the movie we're talking about and that is a movie about uh american outlaws who go down to south america and then start robbing banks it is essentially (laughs) the very unfair non-heroic reading of butch cassidy is that they are walker right yeah Um, Yeah. and they're not that much different from walker uh except that they weren't heralded by uh people in power in the u.s right Um, but they're still down there just robbing <laughs> robbing the uh, local governments, right? <laughs> Which is why the Bolivian army kills them in the yeah. end. Or maybe doesn't, you know, it doesn't end on the freeze frame. That that movie, I, I assume, though, what he's going for is probably more of a stylistic reference than it is a, right, like, right, storytelling right. reference. The movie has a very... By the time you get to Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you're, you're talking about, like, it is kind of a western but it's also picked up a lot of the like they are the the aesthetic of the modern of that era and so they are a icon- iconoclast in the same way that alex is an iconoclast in this right. movie right they are people who have rejected their society uh <clears throat> as a means of commenting on their society uh, and alex is doing that he's trying to walk a third way line between this bifurcated society that he's right. come back to um but you know that's yeah. also that's a scene in particular that takes place before he decides to do that right, right. it's while he is still realizing what has happened in his country right so. yeah i mean yeah. like what yeah it was that's true like i my my thought on that was mostly like but like in terms of like what the sort of style of filming that he does here though like if you yeah. think of like butch cassidy and the sundance kid as sort of a it's not actually the, quite the 70s. It's late 60s. But, like, if you think of it as, like, sort of a early 70s interpretation of a Western, like, the, the visual styling and stuff is there. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he harkens back to that a lot in the sort of styling of the way he films Macedonia, like, and yeah. the people there. It, it has a American Western feel, but not a 1950s American Western feel. It has a 1960, right, right. late 60s, early it 70s has, American Western. It has that when Western movies were starting to deconstruct sort of feel. Right. Um, and even, even fair to the nineties Western deconstruction feels too. Right. I but think, yeah. You know. And, but you can also see it in like the, his color palette and stuff like the Western, you know, nineties Western deconstruction looks different. Like he even chooses yeah. a, he chooses to amp up the sort of orangish like color of the Western. Fe- like, I don't like, if you put a frame of this when he's filming Macedonia up next to a frame from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid of like 
just the earth, like just yeah. the world, they would look strikingly similar. Uh, right. And I think that's kind of important as well, right? Like it's just that's the style he's going for. It's and 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 in some ways the storytelling similar too, right? Like the the sort of pacing of it and stuff. It's not it's not in a hurry to to get to the action or anything. There are action scenes, but like it, it it's it's also just a lot about people. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of interesting things there. Yeah, right. Uh, this is. Yeah, I am. I am fascinated in what this movie wants to say about the nature of Europe in its in its portrayal of violence around Europe. Um, not not to say that it's trying to say something explicitly about Europe that it's not trying to say about humanity as a whole. But, right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely um, making that parallel, right? Yeah. Right. But it's trying to parallel. It's it's trying to say this is not just a problem of Macedonia or Bosnia or Yugoslavia right. or um, the Czech Republic and Slovakia and you know, um, on down the line. I find the weirdness of the timeline of this movie. That's obviously purposeful, right? It's they're not anachronisms. This is this is a movie that is constructed to make sure that you don't know where it begins or ends. Right. Very much on purpose. And and overtly in a way where time travel has to be involved. Right. The Well as as the as the priest says and the graffiti says, time never dies, the circle is not round, the circle doesn't quite meet itself at right. the end uh in the same way. Um Well, know, I found it very interesting because oh sorry, go ahead. Right, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm just to to boil it down, we've we've got the first section. Alex dies in yeah. during. We see his funeral, mm-hmm. uh, and we see uh, Anna arrive from London and cry out at his funeral. Mm-hmm. But Kirill, the monk, talks about going to London to see his <laughs> to, to be hidden by his uncle Alex, who right. is a photographer in London. Uh, and then in the second section. Anna's looking at the prints, presumably given her from Alex, and they are scenes of Kirill's death, which happens after Alex's death. So they are obviously not pictures Alex took, but they are meant to be pictures Alex took. Absolutely. And then Alex, yeah, Alex goes to Macedonia. And that's your your first hint in the movie. Like, that's the first time the movie really lets on. Like, oh, this movie is nonlinear. Like, the, 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 and, and, you know, and, and it happens throughout the movie. It's like, and and right. you know, we see the big, the first scene at the end of the movie as well, which implies that it's both at the beginning yeah. and the end of the movie, right? Um, right. Both in ter- in terms of the story and the structure, um, but like, you know, yes, technically to make it all true, it would require time travel. Right. But the, right. But the actual point is that like the right. world that well, it I would mean, require the, it would really require each of these three sections to be separate universes, really. Right, right, but but the movie doesn't need that because the movie's not about right. like what the movie right. is about right. is the fact that like you can't the when they're talking about the circle isn't round, what they're talking about is that like it's not this there's it's not a neat package right like right. It, it is it is it is it is a brilliant way to essentially get to Rashomon in a completely different way, <laughs> right. 
which is like all these stories are true and all these stories are also not true. But the biggest point is is that because the violence is circular, there's no beginning and end to this movie. You could literally just play this movie on loop and it would work perfectly. Right. Like you could just run it forever. And that's the point, yeah. right? It does run forever. And the circle could, is not round, but the circle the is a circle. In any, you can watch the three sections in any order. In, in any order and as well, yeah. And it will make equal sense. One of the things I found really fascinating is when the, when the I think it's the priest, yeah, when the priest says the circle is not round, um, there's the scene with the turtle in, yes. in, the, in, the, in the stick, in the f- but it's in a stick fire. circle. And if you look at the shape of that circle, you see a circle that is both a circle and not round. Uh, it is it is constructive of a series of sticks all meeting to form a circle, but they're all straight right. lines, and and it gives you this idea of a series of of misaligned paths that all create, like if you imagine all the people in the movie as the reason why this circle of violence exists, but each one of them is only a single stick making up the circle that is right. producing this violence, right? Like no one person in this movie is, I mean, there's lots of people who are guilty of violence. There's lots of people who do violence in this movie. Um, and they change depending on which of the three stories it is. Um, but they're not the reason why this climate, none of them in and of themselves is the reason why this climate of violence exists. Right. They're all a part of it. They're all part of that circle, but none of them are the reason for the circle. None of them are the kids who made that circle. They're all just the sticks in the circle or the turtle being burned alive inside the circle, right? Like, it's just an interesting, there's a, that is a, for me, that was a really powerful visual metaphor in the, in that part of the film right. because it, right. it created a sort of visual representation of what I see at least as the point of what's happening here. Right. And, and what that makes me think of is another possible reference this movie is making to something like Salo or Dog Bites Man in messaging for the part where Alex explains what he means by I killed is that he uh, a militiaman in Bosnia asked him uh, how things were going and he said well nothing really exciting has happened and he says well watch this and kill somebody right Uh, and, and in that regard Alex says my camera killed and, you know, something that uh, Sala was saying and, and Dog Bites Man was more explicit about is the idea that violent media exists because there is a market for it. Right. But in, this, in a slightly broader sense from that, uh, what Alex is saying in that moment is that violence exists because we expect it to happen. Right, 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 yeah. And he is dis- he is at least part of him in that moment uh, was disappointed that he as a war photographer had not found any violence to film. Right. right. And what, what the movie is broadly, more broadly trying to say, to get back to it one more time, is that the, you know, the coming Macedonian conflict, the Bosnian conflict, these are instances of violence that the West and Western Europe expects to happen. Right. And therefore allows to happen. But that same violence is happening in their own backyard by their own hands. 
right? So, so yeah, that's that's another interesting aspect to it to me that the yeah, it just you know, it's it's always interesting how a you know, and and we'll eventually talk about Antolini's blow up. Um, but we 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 talked about it a little bit with Peeping Tom, the the Michael Powell movie. How a movie about a photographer sort of handled because it's a related but not explicitly the same right. act as a director talking about a director. Um, and there's a lot of really you know amazing movies about photographers, and this is just one more on that list. But um, right, I mean, I think this one probably does to a certain extent hold a special place. In the sense that it's 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 much more like it's very granular about what this photographer f- feels about how his work, for example, influences his subjects. Right. In, the, in that way, it's sort of a meditation on like, is he cr- like, is it sort of a sort of an observation problem where like by 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 being there to film these things, am I creating these things and. And like his example is a little on the nose, to be honest. Well, in this sense, it, it has to be because it's to tell the story, right? Like you need to just do it. You need to just like get that out there. Uh, it's to hammer a theme right. that exists in the rest of his relationship to Macedonia. He left to go film wars, and that is, in his mind at least, quite possibly, but not, not. Uh, not overtly, but quite possibly, uh, he sees that the issue in his neighborhood, in his village, has happened because he wasn't there to keep it from happening, right? Right. And in I'll... that manner, his obsession with violence elsewhere also led to violence in his own backyard. Right, that's true. Although, I, I mean, and, then, and to a certain extent, I think one of the goals like, of these kind of movies is to sort of simplify the sort of, like, structure of these sorts of things, right? Like, he does see it that way, and, and it's legitimate for, like, that people do, like, see, like, oh, if I had just been there, right? But, like, right, also right. the I'm point not, of... I'm not also saying the that point that is an actual right, true right. life But the way interesting to thing about this, it is, if, because he feels that way, you get another sort of aspect of this sort of discussion, which is that that like one man isn't all it takes to fix these things right like right like a, a part of the meditation of this movie is the idea that like it requires lots of them to decide like to right. to, to keep it from happening not right. your one circle person, of sticks right? is is absolutely right it is it's really interesting as part of it because he feels that way like he feels like he could fix these things like and he, right. we even see it in the scene where he like tries to escort the uh Zerilla away and he's like and and it doesn't work. It it just continue the the violence continues because right. one man can't just make that not happen, right? And all of these outsiders or have Kirill, successively sorry. saved her, and right. then it's her own family, right, tied up in their own internal violences that ends up killing her. Right? Well, and and the same is true for for and the same Alex, is true yeah. for Alex. And I think and right. that parallelism in the movie. And how one of them happens so early in the movie, and one of them happens at the very end of the movie. Right. I think that's I think that's one of just one of them. Right. And I say I don't want to use the word best because, like, my goodness, like, yeah. what a terrible thing to be the best. Well, but, in, like, it's an amazing an part of the movie. thing. This movie, this movie does is that at when it happens to her, it 
has the possibility of reading as an othering of the Muslim characters in the family or in right. the in the movie. Right? right, right, right. And then when it comes back around, and it, we it go fixes through, that. It makes go, it so that that's it, not true. Right. right. Yeah. It fixes that, but also it once again hammers this home that this happens everywhere. Right. Unless we choose to make, <laughs> to to make not it, yeah, let to, it happen, yeah, right? Absolutely. And I think that was uh, I. I'm really, I am I am deeply enamored by the way the movie draws sort of parallels like that. And I and again, like that's why the sort of the London section does fall a little bit more flat for me because we're so close to a parallelism where that exact sort of framework of violence could happen. Right. In all right. places, but it doesn't that's not the framework of violence in London, which I think like like I don't want to call it like bad, but it's, it's not the framework of that violence in London. It's not necessarily no, the framework of the troubles, but it is the framework of violence that happens in No, I know, in but I'm saying specifically I'm, I'm saying specifically right? in this in this movie yeah. in this Right. He missed a slight to me it's a slight misstep, I guess. Right. And then right. like you could have had that parallelism exist in all three places. Like it would have been very easy right. to do because family members taking out violence on each other and that sort of thing is a thing that happens everywhere. Like, and right. it could right. be what, and it, and it could be what's happening in London. But like the problem is, is that those aren't our, I don't know what those people's relationship are or anything like that, but we don't right. know because we're not given really a lot of details on those characters. And that's what my, my biggest problem with that, that three this three part structure is that in both of these two other scenes the violence is visited on people who are all very intimately familiar with each other they are all right. family members and then but our main character in the london one is anna who has basically nothing to do with the violence it's it's random and unrelated to her at its core right and that that i think you know, in a purely weirdly ethical sense, that makes the violence in London worse than the violence in Massachusetts. It does, right? but it but it, it hurts. The, I would argue that but, in yeah. a, a slight way, it hurts the theme of the movie because right, it, right. I keep coming back to that because it's the one that feels out of place to me. She's think, an outside observer. It's all outside, including even after it happens, it's still outside. Right. Where She's you feel traumatized or but. Where you feel put off by that, I think, maybe comes down to a similar reason. Um, Slavov Zizek criticized this movie uh, for, uh, quote, reducing geopolitical conflicts to stereotyped parables. Um, and, and I think that your issue there sort of plays into what he might have been saying in that. I haven't read the full criticism. I don't know. But... Uh, these are, I wouldn't necessarily even say stereotype. They're archetypical, not stereotypical necessarily. Mm. Um, and they're archetypical even within the realm of the film, right? We see the same right. archetypical familial relationships play out in the Muslim family and the Christian family. Well, ostensibly Christian family, um, <laughs> culturally Christian family, uh, who still... That's one thing I love about the first section is that these guys show up looking for her and the priests try to defend her even not knowing that she's there, right? right the the right. superior of the monastery is is 
trying to convince them not to not to chase after her, Zamira. Right. Um even before he knows she's there. Uh and actually after he knows she's there <laughs> has her leave, right? Right. So like uh but but in the conversation around that, uh one of the one of the men, one of Mitra's do <laughs> either Mitra himself or one of his stupid nephews. It doesn't matter which, um, because that's all Mitra's men are, are his stupid nephews. Right. (laughs) The stupider, the better, apparently. Um, (laughs) uh, One of them says, uh, you know, think about 500, the 500 years of Muslim rule as if, as if, as if any of them were, yeah, yeah. Right. The Muslim rule has inflicted violence on Christianity. Therefore, the Christians of this monastery should uh, should want to see bad come to Zamira. But then those guys making that argument proceed to ransack the, <laughs> the monastery, right? Right. They yeah. are inflicting, they are inflicting the violence against their religious brother and in the same way, right? Right. Well, and, and also like they're, they're doing that thing, right? Like I, they're referencing things that are basically irrelevant to the conversation. Right. To ju- right. It, it, it's a thing people do all the time, right? Like, as a, like, well, oh, well, we have to do, do, do violence because, like, they did this violence to us at some other previous date that has really right. nothing the to circle, do with here and now. The um, circle is a circle, and it's not a circle because it's a cycle that plays out. History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, right? Right. And it plays out the same way over and over again because of people holding century-long grudges that have nothing, nothing to, do to do with, with them. them as a, pe- as but, a person, right? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's it's it's. I do find the the religious orders be I, what yeah. I find really interesting about that beginning part is because, like, I'm like, okay, well, this is taking place. Like, you're, you're the movie sets you up with very little information before you get into that, uh, mm-hmm. and so you're like, and so. I my interpretation of it when I first saw it was that this is like an armed for like conflict has already erupted in this place and this is an armed force that has come a sort of a, a militia type force that's come here to like right, this right, person down right like my mind has already taken me oh we're in the middle of something like the Bosnian conflict we're already like in the middle of it these are troops here. Th- these are at least a a pseudo organized party that is like doing violence as a as an organized unit and then like later on the movie recontextualizes it for us and say like no these are just these are a a, local mob this is a local mob right but like the movie doesn't give us that at the beginning the movie says to us here are a bunch of guys with guns who are very deadly serious also dumb but deadly serious about doing this violence on this person for what could be completely trumped up charges essentially right right? like you don't have any and when they show up when they show up, the superior makes reference to having helped Bosnian refugees, right? So, right. so he's the movie's trying to draw us into that broader right, idea right. too, Absolutely. and sort of, sort of move us a, <laughs> move us into a certain, certain understanding as a uh, as a disconnected audience, right? And it's a movie that knows that its entire audience is a disconnected audience. That's part of part of what the second act is trying to do to say you're right. not actually disconnected to right. the audience directly, right? So so yeah, I think I think that 
it is not just the fact that we are seeing this, you know, 26 years out of time that makes us think that this is already a civil war situation. Right. No, it's very much on purpose, right? right? Like the, because we get later on, we find out how just stupid those nephews are, right? Like this is a thing we learn uh, over time. Right. But like in during the, the first act, we can we can just, assume one of them is stupid. But, yeah, but, but like there are the stupid others. soldiers. Like that's a thing that yeah. exists in this world. Right. It's like that doesn't preclude them from also being militiamen or something to that effect. Yeah. which is what the the picture is trying to paint. And it's and and that way, right? You get a different shape of the universe, right? That this movie keeps trying. It you know it, the movie keeps reshaping the universe around itself, and like oh well, like possibly civil you know, sort of civil unrest is already broken out. Like this is already a right. a a civil war scenario. We're already here. Um and you know, in civil war scenarios it is not uncommon. We've all seen other movies. We all understand how this works that like it's not uncommon to hunt people who are quote unquote criminals as a as a as a sort of um I can't think of the word I'm looking for. As a sort of uh Justification for your violence, right? Like, oh, this right. person committed this crime, and so we're hunting them. And, right. and really, and, you're and just doing all the allusions to 500 years of yeah. history is too right. 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 It's it, just a justification. Yeah. It's all justifications for ethnic right? crime or ethnic violence yeah. and 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 doing violence. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's a very interesting thing about the way this movie unfolds for me because it's like, oh, I I totally like the the movie tells you a sort of tells you a thing and then tells you a totally different thing later. And that's a lot of its charm, right? Is that, like, I say charm very, like, right. I mean, and just what makes it so engaging as a movie, right? Because you're like, holy shit, this movie, like, really likes to kind like, kind of likes to fuck with you a little bit. And, like, yeah. make you, and, and won't let you just have the story in your head. Like, you're forced yeah. to hold all of the different possible stories in your head at the same time, which is part of what makes it so delightfully Rashomon-esque. Is that you're like, well, I guess these are all true. They're all, <laughs> right. They're right. either, they just have to all be true. Um, and I find that very exciting. In, in it movie. is very exciting. Right. And obviously, you know, where it separates from Rashomon is that they are not all stories about the exact same events. No, no, no. Right? I, I, know, I, I, I mean, more in a much bigger time, sense. Yeah. But, in a much right, bigger sense, right. like in the same way that I think all the stories in Rashomon yeah. are all true and all false at the same time. All these right. things can't possibly be true, but they all so they all right. have to be both true and false at the same time as well. Right. right. Um, it's not You're like right. exactly the same, but of course. But that's and that I, was the, I, the I wasn't trying to yeah, accuse yeah. you of saying they were. I just it's yeah. a, but that's just the parallel that just kept popping into my head as I was watching this movie. Like you know, and that's that's a meditation on what is truth, whereas this is a meditation on like what what who like. Who is responsible for violence and, and things like that? Right. Uh, but they they come from very uh, very important. Both come from very important places. Um, yeah. One of the one of the things that I thought was interesting is we were talking about. You mentioned um, about like you know uh, re- reducing it to peril, uh, parables and stuff like that, and it's an interesting point. Uh, but one of the things I find interesting about that is that that's not necessarily, again, I haven't read that article either, but like right. what's interesting to me about that is that that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like reducing things, parables exist in part to impart wisdom without somewhat distance from context in the, in the sense that like, right. Um, 
to provide people with something that they can like hold on to, like a sort right. of and, and make decisions based off of and things like that, right? I think Zizek would agree with you about parables in general, right? and I think that's why he. Uh, <laughs> You know, we're also reading someone else's synopsis of Zixix. Absolutely. Argument, right? I, I just thought so, it was interesting but, that but where parable just, comes uh, up and it's interesting know, to me. Where where he talks about them as stereotyped parables and, and what that means about the uh the portrayal of the individuals here and you know, Zizix himself is Slovenian, so he's got more of a dog in the race in uh in how people from this area uh, this region right. of Europe are are portrayed, so um, you know it's something. It's something. Right, else, that is right? that is also yeah worth so. worth noting, right? Is it like yeah, yeah the, the 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 term stereotypical is probably a very important <laughs> element of <laughs> right that statement. I just I just find it interesting if you do imagine this as a parable, like what as a parable it's trying to teach you about the world. Right, is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, <laughs> because it, it it is not a bad message to try to get across to people, right? And it's certainly not a new message either. Um but but it is an important I thought it was also an interesting aspect of this of this that reminded me of some of the um well, of Ozu in particular, uh obviously. Uh of when uh when Alex first gets back to Macedonia and he's in whatever city he's in. And it's buses that are full-blown advertisements for Coca-Cola passing by at the same time uh, as UN peacekeeper armored vehicles, right, right, assault right, yeah. carriers, Absolutely, are driving right. through, right? And it's yeah. it's that same idea of colonial violence too, right? Of of you know outside right. forces trying to quell whatever might be happening here. Not just sociopolitically, but culturally as well. Right. Right. Well, and you get into that thing where, like, you know, Oza, you know, Oza talks about, like, lots of uh, directors have talked about this. Like, it's it's not just trying to quell, but like, are you also the reason this is happening in the first place? Right. Kind of thing, right. Like, right. are you right. also the you're like you're in here, you're you're bringing us your culture, and then also your your tools of violence. Are you also not the reason why this is happening in the first place? Right. Like. Right. Uh, you know, especially in Europe, that's a, that's a <laughs> fairly debatable argument. But like, um, you know, but nonetheless, it it is interesting because that that just juxtaposition is always very, uh, very important, right? That like, oh yeah, there's there's here's the things they're trying to sell you, and here's their right. their their armed forces. Their their, their mode to, of trying to sell it to you, you is it, guys with guns. Right, right. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, and that's the history of Western capitalism. No, see, that's okay. So, okay, we're gonna whoa, boy. We can take you want to you want to take a detour. Sure. So there's this there's this there's this notion, right? That like I'm sure we've talked about this before about soft power, right? Yeah. Uh, and the idea and like a very popular, you know, philosophy of how to like deal with other state nation states and stuff like oh well you can have soft power like people won't want to kill you or fight you if they love the things that you are like sort of cultural icons that that you are associated with right like people right. And, and and it's been proven just just wildly inaccurate like it falls <laughs> but like like that it was very very popular in americans dealings with the middle east especially but like oh like if they love our rock music and our shoes and our well, i mean that 
that was the entirety of the Marshall Plan, right? So, no, I, well, I was, it's it's the way that we dealt with Vietnam. It's, with it's Korea, not just with how we dealt with the it's Middle how we East dealt with in Japan. particular. No, I know. What I mean is that like that 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 specific framing of it, the way it's most of the papers that I've read about it, like in that framing exactly, are are talked about the Middle East, but like um, mainly because that's like the most recent sort of cases, right? Of like that right. I, right. that philosophy, right? And the reason I bring it up is because my my association with it is radically different than that, which is the it gets used to talk about Japan and Japan's interaction with other countries by by using soft power, and like well you know people love our anime, people love this stuff, this stuff, this stuff. It will reduce our likelihood to be in you know engaged in conflict. We're more likely to just be able to like be on good terms. Doesn't really doesn't work for Japan either, but it's oh it comes up a lot more in in Japan because. An interesting fa- function of it is that one these are di- they both get called soft power, but they are fundamentally different in characteristic because Japan's soft power is soft power, quote unquote. Like again, I don't think it exists, but like it has no military might behind it. It is not men's with gun men with guns trying to sell you Coca Cola. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't include the gun part in theory, right? Whereas. Uh, the American soft power always also includes dudes with tanks and guns. It's like, oh, we're going to be your friends. Like, here's here's all these cool things we have. Would you like to buy these things from us? Shotgun noise. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, right. there's that. that right. And, and it's interesting that to, I find it interesting to me personally that they're both referred to as soft power, despite being very, very different in tenor. Right, right. Like, and more American often- soft power is like... Is a as you pointed out a bus with a Coca Cola advertisement driving by <laughs> and then a U.S. a U.N. peacekeeping tank. It's like well, okay, right? Soft is boy. We have different interpretations right. of what the word soft right. means here. And and U.S. soft power has has just as often been the U.S. showing up and saying, "Oh, we'd love to buy that from you." With the guy in the background pumping a shotgun. Right. Right. Too, absolutely. Right. right. <laughs> Or, or you know, we have we have a lot of different variations on this. Sometimes <laughs> yes. we show up with the guns and then introduce the soft stuff. We're like, right, right, oh, we've already right. taken over this portion of your country. Would you also like to buy some Coca Cola? <laughs> yes. Um, it, you know, they can. It, it, we, we're very diverse in the way that we will influ- yeah. we, we will right. we will wield vicious power. Um, we have a lot of variations yeah. on that theme. Uh, I, I, it's just an interesting because, like, my my readings are almost exclusively with reference to Japanese right. sort of <laughs> notions of soft power, and for me, I'm always fascinated by these both get referred to yeah. as soft power. <laughs> like, oh boy, well, <laughs> these are a little bit different. As long, as, long as we're on uh, on a tangent, one thing that makes me think of is uh, I, I did a class uh, at the Mennonite church I attend um, over the last couple months uh, on. The history of Christopher Columbus and the doctrine of discovery as it exists in U.S. law. Um, and one of the more recent aspects of the doctrine of discovery getting uh, explicitly named in a Supreme Court case was uh, was Ginsburg actually referencing it uh, in a case involving uh, uh, Oneida, I think, Indians. Um but native native lands in northern New York, uh, and is this less about the doctrine of discovery and more about 
the other arguments of the case were that this group had slowly sold off its reservation land that had been given to them in treaty by the U.S., given to them, that they had been right. they had been relegated to in treaty from the U.S. They'd sold off that land slowly over the centuries, illegally as it turns out, because the conditions of their... Uh, of their treaty were that the federal government had to approve any of those sales, and most of those sales were done by the state government uh, buying the buying the land. So no, like legally, the land was still theirs because right. none of the sales had been legal. Uh, but you could make an argument, and the court made the argument that they still willingly sold that land over the years. But they didn't actually willingly sell, sell that land. Right, over the right. Years, well, right? they were put into a position where they had to sell that land over the years, and the state government knew it. That's why they were buying the land. Right. So, well, I mean, we get into the. I mean, like, then you're yeah. getting into like an even deeper thing, right? Which is like, we all we're all free actors in the capitalist <laughs> right. economy, like and free to actually... starve to death, <laughs> right? To like right. like have no shelter, have no food, have no health. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're free to do whatever you want as long as that thing is work or die. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, it, you, you, we've not created a society where anybody is actually free at all. And this yeah. is the, this is a, a larger sort of state influence thing, thing <laughs> right? Where it's like, oh yeah, you're free to not sell your land, but like, and there's this, just this giant wink right. and like a weird sparkly smile involved in that statement, right? That's it's, one one thing I don't know that this church has. The Mennonites haven't learned about me, or maybe they have learned about me, and they they actually do accept it is a possibility too, I guess. Uh, but uh, it is impossible for me, and I think arguably impossible, inarguably impossible more broadly, uh, to talk. <laughs> it's impossible to separate anti-racism from anti-capitalism. Uh, <laughs> Right, and yeah. so whenever they have me teach an anti-racist class, uh, I inevitably start talking about anti-capitalism, and it makes uh, the middle-class white people I'm talking to very uncomfortable. And uh, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's anyway. it's a tough it's a tough subject. Yeah. It, like, yeah. I uh, well, to get back to the movie, um, right. do you think that? Uh, Oh, I just lost her name again. The girl, uh, uh, Carol. I can't pronounce her name. No, properly. Carol. <laughs> Carol. Yeah. Carol is is the the silent monk. Oh um, shoot! I I got Zemira. them confused. Yes, you're right. Yeah. I keep I keep Zamira the movie. girl. Yeah. Do you think that Zamira is Alex's daughter? Um. Well, I mean, I don't know that. Ha it, okay. Hannah tells him to take care of her as if she were her uh, your own. And then stares him dead in the eyes, and the scene ends. True, and then he throws true. up. How? And the last okay. time he was in was was in the country, he says he came back once sixteen years ago, and he keeps mentioning that. Uh, and while she's of indeterminate age, she is meant to be in her late teens. Right. So, um, uh, <laughs> it's definitely well. Okay. I, I think the movie is as subtle as it can be, or as unsubtle as it can be, without making it part of the text. Right. So. <laughs> well, and I think that's part of like, 
it's playing the same game with us that it's playing with right. itself, which is like, yeah. Also, maybe not. Maybe yes. Right. Like. Right. And and the kind of grand scheme point of it is that it doesn't actually matter, right? Like, in the sense that like, it matters. Maybe it maybe matters to no. Alex, but it, like. It, it doesn't even matter to Alex because whatever he thinks about it, sure. But Alex's point through the third act, through the third story, through the second half of the third story at least, and the movie's point is that the way we get beyond this cycle of violence is to actually just treat everybody as if they were our own. Right, right exactly. You know? That's where I was going as well. Is it like right. it's not – I mean – does it maybe influence Alex's behavior? Maybe. Hard to say. Right. We'll never know. But he never he never tries to justify it to anybody by saying that. He doesn't right, go right. up he doesn't he doesn't get Mitra not to kill him by saying, I've got to do this because she's my <laughs> my right. blood and, daughter. And and there's so. and I would argue that interestingly enough in this movie, it probably wouldn't be relevant. In, <laughs> right. in the sense that like <laughs> the way the movie fair. frames violence here, like Alex is his flesh and blood also. And it does not stop right. him from shooting Alex. Uh Zamir is 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 their the other family's flesh and blood. It does not stop right. their violence. Like right. it it it's actually irrelevant, right? Like it's a it's relevant in the sense that uh like maybe somewhere inside of Alex it's part of his motivation, but he doesn't use it. So it's it whether or not it's part of his motivation or not becomes disconnected from the argument he's fundamentally making and then also again it probably wouldn't be irrelevant to whether or not violence is visited upon her or not right right um because th this is a movie like the movie is the my the families in this movie are a microcosm in and of themselves of the conflict that is extending further outside of themselves in the sense that like we're all brothers and sisters in this Right. And we're all still doing violence on each other all the time, right? Like, right. like right. each each family drama is its own like split down the middle of the family, which replicates the split in this community. Where like, there's no reason this community should be killing each other, but they are. There's no reason these family members should be killing each other, but they are. Um, right. And and they're doing that, and that is a choice they're all sort of making together. They're all. You know, each person is making choices independently, but it's all sort of the t you know the sort of combined result of it is a is a climate of violence, right? It is it is it is open violence, um, right? And and I I you know it's it's interesting, but it's also yeah like um, no, you're right. I think it's just more. I only, I asked, I only asked to get us back on the topic of the movie. I yeah don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily. I, but it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Because yeah. It it also per, per it also I have two questions actually or a question and a statement sorry number one there is this notion there that like there's also forces that could bring this community together right like mm -hmm. there there's there's also reasons why this this community could be one community again right like there there's there's nothing separating them but their own deci decisions to be separate. Uh, and 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 Zamira is kind of a 
a sort of avatar of that, right? Like if she is their child together, then they are they also share a thing that is purely between the two of them in common, right? Although Alex doesn't apparently know anything about her. But like um <laughs> right. on the flip side of that I I am confused in this movie what she was doing there and what was happening when she stabbed that man her his cousin or whatever I have an assumption and I don't know if I'm right because I I may have just mixed part of, missed part of the text of the movie because you know like we're we're reading and if I look away for 5 seconds I miss something right um yeah. Is there, like, she stabs, it's his, is it his brother or is it his His, cousin? I think it's his cousin. I I get very confused about people's relationship in this movie. I don't think he Um, has any, like. Brothers and sisters, right? Yeah. I don't, at least not in this story, right? Um, At least in the story, but he has nephews, but but then again, the way, uh, (laughs) the way Southern Europeans use the, use the term uncle and, and. Right relationship is a little uh, nebulous to begin with, in my experience. So, like, right, yeah, I was, uh, I was not sure about yeah. people's relationship exactly either. Yeah, but my my uncle Alex in London might be my dad's friend. Right, um, exactly, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and you know that, yeah. Um, so like, Zamira stabs allegedly, allegedly. Um, this is true, yeah. Uh, but assuming she does, yeah. What we don't have any knowledge, as far as I can tell, of the preceding circumstances that led to that. Families on both sides call her a whore, right? I have an assumption, right? Um, but that is also, you know, they they call her a whore for being alone with uh, Kirill right. too. Right. So it's not like, and we, you know. We know textually that nothing has even right, yeah, begun we, to happen between them right. at that point, really. Um, a kiss on the cheek, I think, before that point. Right, right. So. And and that's just like one of those insults that gets leveled at women. Right. As a, right, as a, at a young course, woman right, who yeah. is, is expressing some amount of, you know, independence, of course. Right. So um, we don't know how so relevant that statement is to what's happening. But I, I had my own personal assumption, and then, like, that adds a, if, the, you know, and I think not talking about it in this case might be the best way to go about it, because it leaves the causes for violence very vague, as we've talked about before, right? Right, right. Uh, but it's just an interesting thing to think about. It's like, this guy, we also know that he's definitely cheating on his wife. Right. Uh, and, and it's just, a, it's a weird, it's... It adds an extra layer to the violence in the same way. With the implications of what happened, we pretty much know that part is true. Right. Whether or not Zamira was a willing participant, right? In that's that that's the issue. Also right? remains. I mean, it's not an so. issue to the to the nature of the violence right. itself, but like, it's it's fascinating when you can if you weigh that in there. Plus, what is whether or not Zamira is maybe his daughter? There is this sort of extra undertone of of part of this cycle of violence is also like connected to sort of like cycle of sexuality as well within the community right. as well which is very much an undertone but could could be there in this movie is sort of there right. in this movie whether or not there is 
more overt sexual violence happening in the background of mm. this story. This is still also a story about men trying to exercise power over the women in yeah, their lives. Yeah, definitely. It's that and, no matter what. And, yes, it is, and it is that in Macedonia and in London absolutely, as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's right. interesting because like <laughs> Alex is not a character I particularly like when we first meet him. Right. Uh, as the he is well, when we second meet him, when we actually true, meet him, uh, not true. when yeah, we first yeah. see yeah. him. Yeah, right. right. What yes. I mean, like when in London, when we like get to know <laughs> yeah. Alex, I'm like, well, this guy's a pain in the ass. When he shows up, when Anna's with her mom, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, well, here's, and I'm like, oh, are we? And then by the time you finish the movie, you're like, well, we're we're you know, this is the essentially basically the main character of the movie, and right. Um, we learn a lot of interesting things, and but it's still like he's still basically a piece of shit in London. Like it's, it's like a really fat, and that's interesting, right? Because it, we we make sure when we get to the result of it, a you're talking about you know controlling women and stuff like that, but also we're just learning very clearly in this movie that there are that nobody's a good guy or a bad guy, right? Like everybody is just a person, right? right. And that like he's not the hero of the movie. He's basically the main character, but he's not the hero. He is he is a guy who finally decided to try to do the right thing after it was too late, right? Right. Um, a hallmark like of the, storytelling. The daughter's missing because she had already been captured by his asshole friends and family, right? right? Um, yeah. But, but in that regard, that's another thing where this is trying to say to... You know, people in England or the rest of Western Europe, hey, all these problems that you think happen in backwards nations are happening here too, right? Right, right. Nick is trying to comp- uh, Nick is trying to control, uh, and Alex is trying to control Anna in the same way. Alex says, "That's what. Uh, that's what, I mean. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah, with me, like right? Alex." Nick is Nick is such a side character that he's almost kind yeah. of irrelevant. Like he's just right. at reinforce. He's a character he, to reinforce this thing. He but, literally dies the <laughs> in the scene we meet him. Right, so, right, like, exactly. He right. he he exists to reinforce that this is not a Macedonian men thing. Right. This is a this yeah. is a this is a man and, thing. Because and Alex Anna's is the exact same is, thing, right? Is in on that that oh, hierarchy yeah. uh, patriarchy too. So you absolutely, know, it's, you yeah. Know. It, it is just victimizing it, it, one another, <laughs> right? Right. It, it, I, yeah, I just find that Nick is that is that what that is what makes Nick a kind of weird, funny <laughs> character. Is that like it's like well, okay, Alex is an asshole here when he visits, yeah, Anna. But oh, we need to make sure that we know that the, it, it like Nick, whatever the opposite Nick of is it there is all for men, us right? to have a a easy slide in emotional connection to the violence in London. Right. right. Yeah. And that's and that's part of what get, makes it feel we cheap. We get someone we already care about saying, "I want a divorce, but I still care about you." And then he gets shot. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's um, it is it is it's kind of again what makes that part feel yeah. a little bit like cheap cheap to me. Right. Um, it is. I mean, yes. given the fact that the the movie's completely broken like the movie has no functional timeline, you could have just like left Alex there and let him get shot. Like, I mean, it could be like any, it's, I mean, you could do a million different things. Right? Because <laughs> Alex dies in each of the three parts. Yeah, the kind of. Like, I mean, but, you know, because I mean, there are no rules, right? This movie right. has, this movie fundamentally decides that there are no rules with regards to that, and that's fine. It's right. great. Um, it's just interesting because, like, yeah, it, like, 
the, yeah, there is that 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 extra undertone of of control of win, women that is really a functional part of this movie, and then and it gets directly tied to the violence in this movie, right? Like this is right. part of the violence of this movie, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, with the with the possible exception that the guy who shoots up the restaurant isn't necessarily trying to exercise any. You know. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we and, don't know. And if if they made it more overt, what that argument was actually over, um, or or even just leaving it at what it appears to be over of of a bartender telling some guy he's had enough, right? Right, right, right. Um, it it doesn't matter either way. It is still a random act of violence here, right? So right. Yeah, it's um I mean there's extra elements to it right it's like you and your friend get at it, like to the bartender well, which adds this extra sort of like like guilt by association for the bartender with the It is a drunk guilt by patron. association at its at its core and it's I've worked in enough fine dining restaurants to know that that is just an attitude of a manager in this situation not wanting to cause a scene. Right, of, I understand. You know, yeah, I know. Rest. I mean but as a man who's watched a little bit more bar rescue than he should, right. the manager should be backing up his employee because this guy's clearly a piece of shit who's way too drunk. Yes, I, I I'm didn't say he was a good manager. I, said <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, manager. I know. I was just, um, <laughs> it's it's just another weird layer in this movie because that's a scene where that happens and it's not a theme that ever comes up in the rest of the movie, but it's just there for like a few minutes. Yeah, um, you know. And and it's quite possible that had he backed up the waiter that like the violence may have things could have unfolded differently too. Like right. if the manager had been on if if it were sort of a unified effort of like, okay, well we gotta get this guy out of here and into you know, whatever. It's interesting to think about as a sort of like non starter element of the movie. Um it's just sort of over there. <laughs> it's just floating there independently in space. Um uh. As yeah. the people leave after the initial incident and the manager says, says, please tell all your friends it's not normally so exciting here. Right. It's just, it's so cringeworthy and yet so accurate. It's very too. accurate. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally accurate. Uh, and also still the most 90s thing in the, one of the most <laughs> 90s thing in the movie, right? Like if the Seinfeld music started playing as the people were leaving, <laughs> it would be like, fine. Like, Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's sort of you know part of part of that too is just the absurdity of the violence in both a comedic and an existential way, right? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and that and that's so. and again, I keep coming back to how that London part just doesn't feel like part of this movie in the same way because the violence in the other places doesn't feel that way. It's it's absurd in an existential way, but it does not feel absurdist. And like it's not like it's not like you know, and then after that, they're going to debate the merits of various kinds of cereal or something like that. It's like, <laughs> right. it's right. like you know, it it just it's very, I don't know. I don't. That's that. The second half of the London scene is very. The London section is very odd to me, and I keep coming and back to it. I don't know. You know, part it's of it. Me. Part of it really. Everything with Nick in that restaurant scene and the little girl who is like infantilized, even though she seems to be at least 16 years old. Right. It feels Python-esque. It feels like something out of Brazil or. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would would go more Brazil just because like 
Python has that weird edge to it of like right. Whereas right. Brazil's got that like this is almost a satire of humanity here. It, right. It, like it's yeah. I and and Brazil also kind of has that 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 nineties esque vibe. Of right. That, that and the random acts of violence. Yeah. Um. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That's also true. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's. I don't know. It's just. I'm. You know. I'm just. You know. Picking at little things here because I don't. But it's. It's that. It's like Brazil. It is that weird poke at. Uh, you know, just uh, just the vaguest of satire of the upper class, right? Right, right. Of this this rich space, this this moneyed space, um, and then again, it goes to hell, right? Right, so, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is just—it was a phenomenal movie. Uh, I was Absolutely. super engaged with it after Criterion Channel stopped goofing up and let me actually watch it. Oh well, I mean, I'm <laughs> glad you're stopped goofing up. I I enjoyed having the. Having the movie cut off at various points, and then <laughs> fast forward all the way back up to that point, it got to the point where I was checking like where I was in the movie every ten minutes, just so I had a general yeah, just ballpark. to have a time, like time right, to so I can at least to, get to the right yeah. area when it cuts yeah. me off again. It's a very strange watching experience. Yeah. Um, the way the movie's transitions work are also very interesting because we almost—it's very weird because like the Anna in the shower could be the end of part one or the beginning of part two. Yep. And it happens right before the title card for, for part two, Mm -hmm. but she's a character that we saw is is basically fundamentally only. Well, but that's the, yeah, right. Like, but it absolutely could be her reacting to the news about what's happened to Alex. It it could be, it's, it is. And well, she was, she's there. Right. She well, sees well, yeah, Alex's sorry. Funeral, I, I'm right? not so much but, but yes. news, but like in the same way that, that everything's that out of time right. in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, um and, and and what makes that interesting is that in that way things like that also kind of point to the fact that like there, in some ways the movie is a, is a, is vignettes of emotion and like humanity, yeah. right? Like you could slot her crying in the shower to almost any point in the movie at all. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, she just, she's universal across the whole film. You could, like, literally, like, yeah. you could put her almost anywhere. And that's true for a lot of things, right? Like, a lot of the scenes, even in, independent of themselves, separate from, like, the sections. Like, we're talking about, like, oh, the sections can be watched in any order. You could watch many of the scenes in almost any order, and you would still get the emotional elements of right. that scene carried all the way through partially because the scenes are nice and long and broad they 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 they're they're not compact little things right each scene sort of fully unfolds itself from beginning to end right absolutely um like you could i like i guess the weird argument i'm making is that like you could literally take almost every scene in this movie throw it into like a bag shake it around pull it out watch it in that order and you would you would still you wouldn't understand air quotes the plot, right? But I can't argue that we a hundred percent also understand the plot as it stands. <laughs> right, right, right. But you would understand the emotional content of the movie probably just fine. You, you when it would when push came to shove and you asked like, what is this movie about? I almost guarantee you could still articulate it yeah. because almost every scene contains the kernel of that that concept in and of itself. Right, like, y- you know, like, 
you know, some of them it would be harder, but like, you know, like you're you're talking about like for example, when he's walking up to the the road to go visit um oh goodness, names. Uh the woman that he Hana. used to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um who's who's I mean it's 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 another there's only one world woman in the world sort of thing. Her right, name, yeah. The London woman is named Anna, the Macedonian woman is named Anna. Hana. H A N A. So like he's walking up the the road to visit Hana and like there's this dynamic of this sort of threat of violence, but he's also directly interacting as it with it in this way of like, well, we're all in the same sort of village here. Like, I know this person. Like, right. you could do that whole scene as a sort of just as a like a very very short film, and people would understand a lot about what you're trying to talk about here, right? Like, anyway, right? Yeah. It, even though like no violence is actually done, the threat of violence is there. But they yield because he talks about somebody up there, like the dad who he knows, and right. it, it, and it's got this, this it kind of talks about all those things very briefly, it, sort of in brief, and I think that's true for a lot of the scenes of the movie, like a very hefty number of the scenes of the movie, like when he's visiting that family, one of the we we definitely get one of the family members coming in to like talk about how he doesn't belong, so you still get that threat right. that that right. like oh you don't belong here thing. That continues that through line, even though even if it were divorced from everything else, and I think that's true in a yeah. lot of places uh, in the movie. I, I I don't know if it's perfect, but I'd be interested to know what happens if you like randomize the order of scenes and show it to somebody. And be like, can you understand what this movie's about? <laughs> right, right. You know, <laughs> just fully, fully get into a. a, a Memento-esque version right well and, and, and it would actually be impossible to reconstruct too right it's a, it's right. a memento with no functional reconstruction available to you right. because like some of these scenes are directly contradictory right well this guy died right. three times in this fucking movie okay <laughs> yeah um but nonetheless it, it, it i think the person would get it yeah uh i can't guarantee it because i've not tried that experiment uh, and I can't think of anybody I could try that experiment on without losing my job. So, <laughs> that's fair. But um, it would be interesting. I I still think I I think it is probably true, which I think is a really fascinating thing about the sort of storytelling of the movie, right? Because you're like you're telling this emotional story, sort of disconnected from the the plot to a certain extent. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know that there's anything else we could talk about with this movie no, right now. I mean, so, other than uh, it's amazing. <laughs> right. I'm so just happy repeat- to have seen yeah, it. Yeah, just keep repeating um, that, I suppose. <laughs> but, yeah, we have been talking about Before the Rain from 1994, directed by Milcho Menchevsky. Uh Katrin Cartledge, uh, by the way, who, uh, who yeah, plays... Yeah, plays our, our uh, one of our... Plays Anna, right? Yeah, plays Anna. Uh, we've seen her at least once before. I think we'll see her more. Uh, but she was one of the ladies in uh, Naked, the right. uh, Mike Lee film. Um, the one whose landlord moves into her apartment and <laughs> essentially just rapes her and keeps her high for you know right. weeks on end. Um, Naked was a weird movie, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I, I have mostly blocked it out. I do not remember yeah. very much about it. <laughs> There's a there's a lot a lot to forget about naked. Right. Um, I uh, mean, her story is is pretty tragic actually, but yeah. 
Well, so. next week, uh, next week, I think Stephen had expressed interest in joining us again. He was with us last week for the Furies. I think next week might be the one. What's uh, the next? Another week? one he wanted. It is uh, finally after years of anticipation. It's Carl Theodore Dreyer's Vampire. Oh, yeah, I'm actually I'm pretty much looking forward to this. I yeah. I, I it's going to be I remember probably, when I'm probably going to have trouble sleeping. Media. Yeah, yeah I'm probably going to have trouble sleeping. so many years ago and saw clips of Vampire. It is uh, creepy they, as uh, fuck. Okay? It, yeah. It's atmospheric that, from what we've seen. Yeah. Um like I'm excited yeah. and also already creeped out. This is going to be great. Yeah. So so uh yeah, we might have a guest for that, but in either case, definitely look forward to seeing it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.